This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Got the city field for game two with a doubleheader. And it was like benchmark night at City Field. Because you had Senga get the strikeouts that got him to 200, making him only the second rookie in the history of this franchise to strike out 200 guys. And I want to be fair about something. This is not a knock on Kodai. This is a compliment to Japan and a compliment to those leagues. I don't think Senga's really a rookie. Because I think Japanese baseball is almost on par with Major League Baseball. It's definitely above AAA. I don't think there's any doubt. Is it on an equal level as MLB? No, I don't think it is necessarily equal. But it's quadruple A? Whatever you want to call it, it, it's above AAA. It's above being a minor league. So it's not even about age with Senga, where I say, eh, I don't know if he's a rookie. It's out of respect for that league. And I haven't always felt that way because I didn't know. I don't think a lot of us knew, but I think enough guys have come over where you say it's a good league. You know, so is he really a rookie? He's not a Doc Gooden rookie. I can tell you that right now. Doc was a teenager. So I'm not trying to say it doesn't matter. He still struck out 200 guys and he did that in, you know, 166 innings or whatever it was. And Kodai put the exclamation point on a really good year. He gave up the two solo home runs, the leadoff home run of John Birdie, the home run of Jesus Sanchez, but he mixed in a lot of unhittable ghost fork balls in the midst. He did throw a lot of pitches over five innings, but a really solid performance by Kodai, five innings, two runs. And if you want to consider this a milestone, he kept the ERA under three and completed a really good first year as a New York Met. He goes out and he makes 29 starts, He throws 166 innings. He tacks up the 200 strikeouts. He has a sub three ERA. And he goes into the offseason as the unquestioned ace of the New York Mets. Will that change during the offseason? Can that change during the offseason? Just think about it. How many guys are out there that the Mets could sign or realistically acquire that you would say is the ace of the Mets? And would jump ahead of Kodai Senga. Like, how many guys are there? I don't think it's a long list. So Senga puts the exclamation point on things. And then Francisco Lindor. He wanted that 30-30, man. He goes deep in the second. He goes deep in the fourth. And Lindor gets a nice ovation from the crowd. He gets a little tribute, a little screenshot of 30-30. He joins David Wright. He joins Howard Johnson. He joins Darryl Strawberry in a Met history as a 30-30 guy, which is a nice accomplishment. But Pete, tell me if I'm crazy. It doesn't mean as much in 2023. I mean, I'm going to disagree with this because um, 
for all the naysayers in general, like he's turned out to be one of the top shortstops in the league. So anyone that was critical about him over him this season, I think this put a you know a different stamp on it. Do the numbers as a whole reflect differently because you look at what Acuna Jr. is doing? I mean, forty and seventy is just stupid, right? So, yeah, I, I guess maybe you're right. In, in 2023, the numbers don't mean as much. But still, overall, when you look across the board, look at shortstops, he's the best in the league. Well, okay, so here's how I would answer that if we're going to compare him and his season to every other shortstop in Major League Baseball. I would say that Corey Seager has had the best offensive season of any shortstop, and it's not close. But here's the caveat, and this is a big help for Lindor. Corey Seager's missed 50 games. So he's put up these massive numbers, and they are massive. He's at 33 home runs. He's hit more home runs than Lindor. He's driven in 96 runs right where Lindor is, and he's done that in 116 games. He has a 1,000 OPS. So a lot of it would be, would you rather have the guy that goes out there and puts up massive numbers, and they are massive, they're undisputably the best of any shortstop, but miss 50 games? Or the guy that puts up really good numbers, this is not a knock on Lindor, really good numbers, gets you to those 30, gets you to those 96, gets you an 800 OPS, but he does it playing every single day. I can make the argument I'd prefer the guy that goes out and plays every single day because now you got 50 games where someone else is playing shortstop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So which one would you rather have? You want the reliability, but I would say Corey Seager's had the best season of any shortstop in Major League Baseball. And the other guy that I would put slightly, not by a lot, slightly ahead of Francisco Lindor is Bobby Wood Jr. When you look at his numbers, he's at 29 home runs, 93 RBI. So very similar, 273 average, sort of similar. An OPS of 802, sort of similar. The only difference is, and I, it's crazy. It's a tiebreaker. Obviously, defense. Lindor has been tremendous, despite a couple of miscues recently. Bobby Witt's got 49 stolen bases. So, but, but overall, very close numbers. So, very comparable numbers. After that, you're looking at Bo Bichette. You're looking at J.P. Crawford. Uh, Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts now have great years. Obviously, Trey finished pretty strong. The bottom line is this. Me saying 30-30 doesn't mean the same as it used to has nothing to do with the kind of year Lindor had. Lindor had a very good year. He did. He had a very good season. Uh, Among shortstops, whether he's number one, and obviously I would take Seager, he's number two or he's number three. He's one of the best shortstops in Major League Baseball, and that doesn't account for the fact that he's really, really good defensively. So it's not a comment on his year. It's more, we have made 30-30 because of these new stolen base rules feel just a little bit a little bit less meaningful. Like, and I'll give you an example, specific example. Right now, Ronald Acuna obviously had a 40-40 year, a 40-70 year. Julio Rodriguez has had a 30-30 year. Lindor is at a 30-30 year. I just mentioned Bobby Witt. He needs one home run to have a 30-30 year. Kyle Tucker needs a home run and an RBI to have a 30-30 year. 
Trey Turner, offseason for him, needs four home runs and a stolen base for a 30-30 year. Not going to get it, but my point is very close. Corbin Carroll needs five home runs for a 30-30 year. And Fernando Tatis needs five home runs and a stolen base for a 30-30 year. So we may not get all those guys to do it. They clearly won't. But it showed you how many more guys have done it. And before this season, I think the record for the most 30-30 years in one year, if I'm not mistaken, was four. So it's just that we're seeing more of it. That that's that's my only point. We live in a world now where stolen bases are easier. Obviously, home runs have been popping all over, certainly much more than compared to 25 years ago. And so it's an accomplishment. I don't want to dismiss it. I just think the facts kind of remind you it may mean just a tad less than it would have meant if this happened 10 years ago. So don't take it as a slide on Lindor. It's not a slide on Lindor. Lindor's had a fine year. It's just things are different now. Stolen bases seem to be almost more automatic. But think about what happened in game two. Lindor gets the accomplishment of 30-30. Good for him. Senga gets the accomplishment of 200 strikeouts. Pete in game one hits his 46th home run of the season. And with all these accomplishments, the team sucked. And it kind of reminds me of 1996. 1996, they had three offensive players have historic seasons. Lance Johnson, Bernard Gilkey, and Todd Humley, and they lost 91 games. So it's cool, and it's a nice individual accomplishment for the guys we talked about, but overall the results for the team were not great. Uh, But the core guys played, man. Even with Jeff McNeil going down with his injury, Jeff McNeil went out and played every day. Alonzo played every day. Lindor played every day. And Nimmo played every day. And it's, it's more of a reminder that McNeil was an issue, especially in the first half, but the reasons of the failures was not the core. It wasn't their performance. There were other things, and to me, they're pretty obvious on what led to this season going awry. But when you put the blame out, the, old, the totality of Lindor's season is clearly not that. The totality of even Pete's season, despite his awful June, is certainly not that. His June is a part of it. Brandon Nimmo is not that. McNeil is weird because McNeil's final numbers are very mediocre and he needs to be better. And he wasn't nearly as good as he was a year ago. And his numbers actually got better as the season went on because he finished strong. But even in bringing his stats up, they just weren't enough. The other thing I noticed, by the way, at this game, that they lost four to two. (laughs) I forgot about that part where they gave up the two runs of the ninth inning because Adam Adovino reminded us that maybe he's not that good despite overall having a decent season, was that they were Marlin fans at City Field. I don't know if you could hear this on TV, but I certainly felt it in the ballpark. There were a good amount of let's go Marlins chance in the ninth inning of this game. When Brett Beatty made that error in the ninth inning that gave the Marlins the 3-2 to two lead, the let's go Marlins chance were exploring, exploding. When Brian De La Cruz got the bases loaded RBI single to put them up by two, Let's go Marlins, exploding all over City Field. And I got to tell you, I find it infuriating. Marlins fans. Did you even know Marlins fans existed before they decided to show up at City Field and chant, let's go Marlins? I had never met one, Pete. I didn't know they existed. The only Marlin guy I know is, is the Marlin man that sits there with the orange jacket. That's the only guy I know Marlin was. Only guy? Only guy I ever knew. 